Hello and welcome to the Veterinary Secrets Podcast. My name is Dr. Andrew Jones and this is episode 50. In today's episode, I'm going to talk about holistic itch relief, how to tell what type of allergy your dog may have, along with the more effective solutions. A local municipality is taking veterinary law into their hands, banning D-claws. And lastly, what you need to know about this incredibly important antioxidant, especially if you have a pet with diabetes. Now Veterinary Secrets is on iTunes, just go to iTunes and search for Veterinary Secrets. We're also on Stitcher, you can download the Stitcher app and once again search for Veterinary Secrets. I would sure appreciate it if you would subscribe to my podcast and leave a review and you can do so on iTunes or Stitcher. And lastly, I really encourage you to get a copy of my free book and my three free videos. They're at veterinarysecrets.com forward slash news. Now let's get right into today's podcast. Allergies, Dr. Jones's steps to naturally stopping the itching. This is one of the most common, most frustrating medical conditions affecting primarily dogs, but also cats. Allergy is defined as a hypersensitivity in which exposure to a benign protein or an allergen causes your pet's immune system to overreact. In both people and dogs and cats, the incidence of allergies is increasing. What are some of the signs? We have the external signs of itchiness, constant or intermittent scratching, chronic paw licking, skin rashes, and recurring ear infections. There can be the respiratory signs, running eyes and nose. Then there can be the intestinal signs, vomiting and diarrhea. What are the causes? Well, there are three main possibilities. First, external parasites such as fleas. Food for dogs, beef protein is the most common. For cats, fish or milk are the most common food allergens. There can be environmental allergens from pollens to house dust mites. In that case, what's happening is the immune system overreacts, causing the severe itchiness. First, let's talk about atopy or environmental allergy. Atopy or environmental allergy can develop in any dog, but certain breeds are predisposed, such as terriers and retrievers. Skin allergen exposure is an important additional part of the cause. It involves complex mechanisms in cells such as cytokines and T-cells, which secrete a type of antibody called IgE. This antibody, in conjunction with the allergen, you know, such as grass, then causes cells called mast cells to release inflammatory components things such as histamine, leukotrienes, and substance P. This then results in the inflammation and the subsequent itching, also known in varying terms as pruritus. Food allergy, or food hypersensitivity, causes a variety of effects on dogs and cats, the most common being itchiness of the skin. Proteins in the food become recognized by your pet's immune system as foreign, and then they're attacked. This causes the inflammation, which usually shows up in the skin, but also can show up in the intestinal tract as vomiting or diarrhea. Other organs can also be involved if they are also attacked by the immune system. The most common signs of food allergy in dogs are foot and paw chewing, itching of the groin, hair loss, facial itching, and recurring ear infections. The more common signs of food allergy in cats are itchiness, scabs, and hair loss on the face and neck. A common misconception is that food allergies usually happen after a recent diet change. In fact, the opposite is true. Most food allergies usually happen after the food has been fed for over two years, not just a few weeks. Most dogs and cats have been eating the food allergen for years before it becomes a problem. In dogs, the most common allergens are beef, chicken, egg, cow milk, wheat, soy, fish, rice, potato, and corn. Most dogs, and in one study it was 80%, react to just one or two food items. In cats, the most common food allergens are chicken, fish, and dairy products, plus the common carbohydrates, including wheat, rice, and corn. 
So what are the solutions? What can you do? Well, the first thing is you need to think about this in a systematic way. And I want you to go about, first of all, eliminating sort of the big things we start before we start getting into some of those specific remedies for atopy or environmental allergy. So first, think about external parasites. You know, if fleas are a possibility, eliminate the fleas. If your dog has recently been to a kennel, for instance, has never itched in the past, and now he's coming back very itchy, maybe he's picked up mange. So, so investigate those options first. You know, practice regular flea control using natural methods if possible. If not, use a topical antiparasitic. Visit your veterinarian. Consider using, there's one topical um, anti-flea medication also used for mange called Revolution. Um, and it's one where you, it's fairly safe of all the different topicals, especially if you're just using it for two or three times. It's a great thing to start with if we want to rule out like fleas and or mange. The next thing, let's looking at the food. Now what's going into your pet's mouth? To begin with, stop all the treats. You know, if you suspect that your dog is allergic to something in his or her diet, first stop all traditional treats, you know, things such as milk bones. Some of the safer treats would be a unique type animal protein that your dog is not allergic to, you know, say something such as, you know, turkey. It may also include things such as oats or apples or vegetables from your fridge. If your pet is still scratching after three weeks, then it just, then if you've stopped the treats and they're still itching, then it may actually be an underlying primary food allergy. So the next thing, we need to talk about is a hypoallergenic food trial. Here you're feeding a, a special type of diet type of hypoallergenic diet for 10 to 12 weeks to see if your dog or cat's allergic symptoms stop. Yes, this is a long time. But fortunately, more than 80% of pets are going to respond at least partially by six weeks. Although labs and cocker spaniels usually need longer trials. So what should you be feeding? The big point here is to feed a novel protein and an ingredient source that your dog or cat has not been fed and least likely to be allergic to. For dogs, I encourage you to avoid these ingredients first. You know, avoiding beef, avoiding chicken, avoiding cow milk, wheat, and corn. For cats, avoid these ingredients, fish, dairy, and all the carbohydrates. Commercial diets that I've had success with in dogs include unique ingredients, you know, such as fish and sweet potato. Commercial diets for cats need to be animal protein based, things such as turkey or duck. This is a home allergy diet for a 50 pound dog. Boiled whitefish, two cups. Boiled potatoes or cooked rice, two cups. Calcium carbonate or Tums, one teaspoon. Fish oil, one tablespoon. Potassium chloride, which is light salt, one teaspoon. One a day multivitamin, one tablet. Mix all ingredients together and divide into equal portions, feeding two and a half cups in the morning and two and a half cups in the evening. This is the feline home allergy diet for a 10 pound cat. Turkey breast, one cup. Fish oil, one tablespoon spoon. Calcium carbonate or Tums, half a teaspoon. Potassium chloride, a quarter of a teaspoon. One a day multivitamin, a half a tablet. Taurine, 500 milligrams. Mix all ingredients so they are well blended together. This will make two cups of food enough for two days. Feed one half cup in the morning, one half cup in the evening. Whatever you choose, it must be fed for 12 weeks. If after 12 weeks your pet is still scratching, then he or she probably doesn't have a food allergy. So then we need to be looking at some of those varying solutions we're talking about environmental allergy or atopy. To the bath, an oatmeal shampoo with cool water will often ease the itchiest skin. The big point is you need to be leaving the sh shampoo on for a minimum 10 minutes so you're taking your dog into that bath you're gonna rinse them well with water lather them up and then you're gonna have a watch time yourself for a full 10 minutes then after that rinse well
well. With the most severe allergies, you can comfortably bathe your pet twice a week. Feet washing. Regularly washing of your dog's paws after they come in from being outside is one of the best ways to decrease the itching. This washes off the exterior of those outdoor allergens. You can just use a damp cloth or put your pup in the bath. Soothe it topically. Calendula ointment is a herbal medication that is being successfully used to relieve the itch. You can apply a thin coat twice daily to the affected areas. The supplement connection. Fatty acid supplements are very helpful in decreasing the level of inflammation. Omega-3 fatty acids are the ones that are most important. The main point here is you need to be giving a high enough dose to be effective. And we're looking at an ideal dose of 1,000 milligrams per 10 pounds of body weight daily. A great inexpensive source is flax oil. Here I recommend giving one tablespoon of flax oil per 50 pounds twice daily. Cats don't generally metabolize flax oil as well, so I recommend the liquid fish oil supplement for them. Other sources include primrose oil and specific veterinary supplements. Antioxidants. Vitamin E and vitamin C may help. The vitamin E dose is 100 IUs per 10 pounds of body weight once daily. The vitamin C dose is 100 milligrams per 10 pounds of body weight once daily. Antihistamines. Benadryl is the most commonly used antihistamine in dogs. It's given at a dose of 1 milligram per pound of body weight two to three times a day. Cats seem to respond much better to the antihistamine chlorpheniramine sold under the brand chlortripolon. The dose is 2 milligrams two to three times a day. It's always best to consult your veterinarian before using these medications. It often takes up to 14 days of using them to see if they're helping. Bioflavonoids. These are compounds found in the pigments of fruits and vegetables. One found in apples called quercetin has been shown to be effective in reducing itchiness in people. The dose is 25 milligrams per 10 pounds of body weight twice daily. Probiotics. The good bacteria found in yogurt and my supplements, Ultimate Feline and Ultimate Canine Health Formula. One study examined whether the use of a probiotic supplement or a placebo could affect the incidence of eczema in infants. Eczema is a common allergic skin condition of people. Over 1,000 pregnant women were randomized, with 50% of the mothers taking probiotics and their children took it for the first two years of life. The probiotic-consuming mothers had children that were 30% less likely to have eczema. The thought here is that the immune system needs to learn how to react appropriately to some of the bacteria so it doesn't overreact to normal environmental components, causing the itchiness. The main point is that you, if you have an allergic pet, you should be administering probiotics for at least 90 days to see if they can help. If you have a pet coming from an allergic line, then I really encourage you to get your dog on a probiotic as soon as you get them, when they're as, as a puppy. Now I want to talk about some of the herbs that can be helpful. First, burdock root. It may decrease the severity of the itchiness. Here you can pull up a plant, squeeze out the root, applying the fluid topically to your pet's inflamed skin. So it's one that's being topically for people, especially those who have eczema. Licorice root. It's used as a tincture. It can be used with care, not meant to be given long term. It's sort of considered the natural type steroid when we think of something that's going to immediately stop the itching. The dose is 50 milligrams per 10 pounds of body weight of the dried herb or one drop per pound of body weight twice daily of the tincture. Another way to look at dosing it is about a quarter of a, of a tincture full. Anytime any of you have used a herbal tincture before, so it's about a quarter of the tincture per 10 pounds of body weight twice daily. And you're just using it short term, three to five days. Oregon grape root, it's a traditional anti-inflammatory that it also has antibacterial properties. The dose is 200 milligrams per 10 pounds twice daily of the dried herb or one drop per pound twice daily of the tincture. This is a basic formula for some of the, those of the dogs that have chronic skin problems. Two parts burdock root, one part dandelion, 
one part red clover, one part garlic powder. You can use the tinctures, buy them individually and mix them together, or you can use them as a tea where you're blending in the herbs into a tea. Also provide additional flaxseed oil or evening primrose oil or borage seed, seed oil or even fish oil. You're looking at doses of one tablespoon per 40 pounds of your pet's body weight daily. This assists the organ functions and helps nutrient absorption. It's also important to keep in mind that these tonic herbs work slowly and it may take several days or even weeks to see results. Some of the herbal creams, there are a few herbs to consider topically, licorice gel, chamomile cream, and topical, topical curcumin. One double, double blind study compared to one and two percent licorice gel compared to a placebo. They found it to be obviously very effective. And the, another study compared chamomile cream to 0.5 percent hydrocortisone. They found the chamomile cream to be more effective than the hydrocortisone cream. Lastly, there's topical curcumin, which is considered a very powerful anti inflammatory and may be very beneficial for topical allergy treatment. Curcumin can also be given orally. We're looking at the 95% curcuminoids. I've discussed these in a variety of different times in the past. No question it's been used for people with allergies and a number of people are reporting it to be helpful. And it may not, doesn't seem to be quite as helpful for those that have arthritis, but it is a specific anti-inflammatory, has very little side effects. So when we're looking at doses of the 95% curcuminoids, we're looking at 100 milligrams per 10 pounds of body weight. Initially, I'd be giving them twice daily. I'd be giving it for up to four weeks at first, assessing if it's helping. If it's helping, decrease the dose to a once daily dose. The other big thing with the curcumin, it's better if you give it as a capsule because it'll stain everything orange. And you need to be giving it with food, especially with fat, because then it can be absorbed properly. A couple of homeopathics that may be helpful and some of the homeopathic veterinarians have used on clients. One is, one is called rust tox for redness and itching, which is what you see with most of the skin disorders. We're looking at acute, acute doses of 130C capsule every four hours for three to five days, or 30C, 130C capsule twice daily for four weeks. The other homeopathic that you use commonly used is arsenicum, especially if there's also vomiting and diarrhea involved. It's more like the, some of the food allergies. You're looking at doses of 130C capsule every 12 hours for four weeks. I also wanted to talk about some of the topical treatments. There are new topical therapies that help the skin barrier or the epidermal barrier. The big difference with essential fatty acid is that these are applied directly to your pet skin and they provide an ingredient called ceramides. These are a key part of the skin barrier. There's one called Allerderm Spot On. It contains ceramides and a fatty acid containing liquid. It's applied topically similar to how the monthly flea medications are applied. The directions are to apply one pipette a week for four weeks and then one pipette a month for maintenance. A couple other ones to consider are Dermo Essent Essential Spot On, applied in much the same way. And then there's Duoxo Seborrhea Shampoo, Duoxo Seborrhea micro emulsion spray and duoxoseborrhea spot on. Honey. Local honey contains very tiny amounts of pollen. These tiny amounts of pollen are not enough to trigger the allergic reaction in your dog when they ingest the local honey, but each time your pet eats the local honey, he or she begins to build up a tolerance to the pollen. Eventually, the thought is that your allergic pet will be able to tolerate the amount of pollen usually present in the environment. You can give your dog or cat one teaspoon per 10 pounds of body weight daily. You want to do this for 60 days to test the effectiveness. The big thing is that it has to be local because it needs to be the same things that your dog is reacting to um, and you want to make sure it's unpasteurized or quote-unquote raw local honey. Apple cider vinegar or ACV. For allergies, dry itchy skin, hot spots, skin infections, or yeast infections. Here you can bathe your pet 
head in a warm water, then rinse them with a solution of one part apple cider vinegar to three parts water. The vinegar rinse will leave their coats soft and shiny. It's also really effective for their dogs that have these secondary yeast infections. And then the last one I wanted to discuss are the last options called colostrum. Research has found that an ingredient known as PRP or praline-rich polypeptide in bovine colostrum is appears to be what is helping decrease the allergy symptoms. The colostrum dose for dogs with allergies varies based on the company. I advise giving about a quarter of the human dose per 20 pounds of body weight daily. My supplement, Ultimate Canine Health Formula, contains bovine colostrum in adequate levels for your dog. The second part of today's podcast involved a story coming from the Denver Post. Denver eyeing municipal declaw ban. Colorado has joined the ranks of cities trying to pass bans on elective declawing after the city council advanced the proposed ban forward in October. After hearing arguments from cat owners, rescue organizations, and veterinary professionals who don't perform onchiectomy procedures, according to the Denver Post. The plan drew formal opposition from the Colorado Veterinary Medical Association, CVMA, who said it oversimplifies complex decision-making that veterinarians and can owners use when deciding to perform the procedure, the Post reports. If Councilwoman Kendra Black's ban passes, Denver would be the first U.S. city to outlaw declaws outside of California, where eight cities have banned the procedure. Denver's proposal would provide an exemption when a declawing procedure was deemed medically necessary and only if performed by a licensed veterinarian while the cat is under anesthesia, the Post says. At the city council meeting, CVMA's current and incoming presidents told the council safety committee that they opposed declawing, but they didn't want local government to wade into medical decision making. We support the principle that complex medical decisions belong in the domain of the owner and the veterinarian, said Will French, DVM, the organization's current president, according to the Post. The full council was scheduled to introduce the proposed ban November 6 and could cast a final vote on November 13th. The procedure would still be available at suburban clinics if the ban is passed, the Post reported. My thought on this story is that declawing should not be allowed. There's very few medical, quote-unquote, medical reasons where it's needed. And I'm just really surprised that as of today, in to the end of 2017, almost 2018, that we still, as a veterinary community on the whole, still condone it. And, and good for them to bring it up and make, make it make a point to make it a topic. And it just goes to show, you know, where veterinarians are still sitting. If you've got, you know, a fairly bigger organization, such as the Colorado Veterinary Medical Association, we're still like essentially supporting it. Now, I just want to talk about the last part of today's podcast, and it's on a specific antioxidant, a specific supplement called alpha lipoic acid. It's an antioxidant made by the body, it's found in every cell where it helps turn sugar into energy. Antioxidants are things that attack free radicals, waste products created when the body turns food into energy. Free radicals cause harmful chemical reactions that can damage cells, making it harder for the body to fight off infections. They also damage organs and tissues. Other antioxidants Antioxidants work only in water, such as vitamin C, or fatty tissues, such as vitamin E. But alpha lipoic acid is both fat and water soluble. This means that it can work throughout the body. Antioxidants in the body are used up as they attack free radicals. But evidence suggests that alpha lipoic acid may help regenerate these other antioxidants and make them active again. So what can alpha lipoic acid be used for? Well, the first big thing is diabetes. Several studies suggest alpha lipoic acid helps lower blood sugar levels. Its ability to kill free radicals 
pills may help people with diabetic peripheral neuropathy who have pain, burning, itching, tingling, and numbness in arms and legs for nerve damage. Researchers also believe that alpha-lipoic acid helps improve insulin sensitivity. Um, a big thing or the big point here in veterinary medicine, alpha-lipoic acid actually, is actually reported if it's taken in too high of a dose. Um, it has negatively impacted dogs where people have been on it as a supplement. And the big side effect is actually causes low blood sugar. So it's really key. You know, if I were to have a dog or a cat um, who I'm having difficulty control with insulin and I want to try another supplement, potentially try to lower the insulin dose, get them off of insulin, it's probably be the first one I'd look at getting them on, alpha-lipoic acid. Brain function and stroke, because alpha-lipoic acid can pass easily into the brain, it may help protect the brain and nerve tissue. Researchers are investigating as a potential treatment for stroke and other brain problems involving free radical damage. What are some of the dietary sources? If you're healthy, your body makes enough alpha-lipoic acid, as in your dogs. It's also found in red meat, organ meat, such as liver and yeast, particularly brewer's yeast. For dogs and cats, it's important to consider this is a supplement for our pets with diabetes, stroke, cognitive dysfunction, and glaucoma. So what are the doses? For dogs, we're looking at two milligrams per kilo per day. So a 50 pound dog would have 50 milligrams per day total dose. For cats, we're looking at doses of one to five milligrams per kilo per day, per day, meaning an average cat would have about 10 milligrams per day. What are some of the warming, warnings or cautions? Because of the potential for side effects and interaction with medications, you really should be taking, if you're gonna be giving this to your pet as a supplement, just making sure you're doing it under supervision of your veterinarian. The big point is it lowering blood sugar level. So our pets with diabetes, we need to be getting them in and monitored more often, meaning more frequent um, blood sugar measurements, or else you doing that at home. What are the, some, some of the possible drug interactions? First, if your dog is on some, you know, or your cat is on insulin, um, it can interfere with that. And that's sort of the one big thing, lowering blood sugar too quickly. There's some chemotherapy medications that alpha-lipoic acid can interact with. So if your dog or your cat is on any type of chemotherapy for cancer, let your veterinarian know. Um, it can also interact with some of the thyroid, thyroid medications, the one, for instance, called levothyronine. It may lower levels of thyroid hormone. All in all, though, it's a pretty important supplement, um, and I'm pretty excited about it uh, for its use, for potential use for our pets that have diabetes. And it sort of can be a pretty challenging disease to treat, especially when we get these secondary complications, these you know rapidly rising or difficult to control levels of blood sugar, and us having to up the doses of the insulin. So a real one to consider, in the very least, discussing this with your veterinarian. Well, thanks again, you guys, for listening to this, the 50th episode of Entry Secrets. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. Any questions or comments, suggestions for future shows, go to my blog at veterinarysecrets.com forward slash blog and leave your suggestion after this episode. Talk to you again next week. This is Dr. Andrew Jones.